So friends, I'm glad that you're here with us today. Um, Adam is at this um, excellent pastors association this week, so you have me for the sermon. And so I'm just going to dive right in. So have you ever been approached by someone who said something like, the Lord spoke to me, or I was moved by the Holy Spirit to do something? Or maybe that person said, God told me to tell you, and then follows that up with some life advice. Well, I'm very attuned to these things when that happens, and for a couple reasons. The first is a really positive reason, and that's because when people say that, it presupposes that that person thinks that God is speaking, and that is so true. God does speak to us. Now, the other reason why is not quite so positive when somebody approaches someone and says, God told me to tell you, and then gives advice, I think the hearer of that word, sometimes that puts them into a little bit of turmoil, maybe emotional or spiritual turmoil, thinking, well, why isn't God speaking directly to me? Or what have I done that God doesn't speak directly to me? Is something wrong with me? Am I not faithful enough? Well, the bigger question is, is how can you and how can I hear God? And how do we know that what we are hearing is the voice of God, the voice of truth? We're in the middle of a series that's called It's a Start. And the first week was on forgiveness. And then last week, Adam rewrote his sermon and talked about um, arbitrary morality because of all the events that were happening in our nation's capital. And I would suggest if you did not hear that sermon to go back and listen to it. He did an excellent job preparing that. And if you didn't hear the forgiveness sermon, that's something that we can all um, work on, I think. You can find that on our webpage or on Facebook. But today's message is about hearing from God and listening to God. So it's a start. Listening to God is a great place to start. So speaking, hearing, and listening are all intricately connected when it comes to communication. I would like to emphasize the difference between hearing and listening. So hearing is the process, function, or power of perceiving sound. So if you're not hearing impaired, then hearing just simply happens. Now, once upon a time, I was a teacher, so I felt okay putting this um, slide up there. The teacher in Peanuts always sounded like this. Womp, 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 womp. So you hear that, but I don't think they were listening. So listening, however, is something you concisely choose to do. Listening is paying attention to sound to hear something with a thoughtful attention and give it consideration. Listening requires concentration. So your brain can process what you're hearing, which means that you are learning something. And then learning leads to a change in either your thoughts or your behavior. Today's scripture has some great examples of both hearers and listeners. It comes from 1 Samuel. And it tells us how Samuel heard God speak and he listened. So as with any good story, it's always good to know the setting. So we're going to be reading out of the Old Testament. So that means it's before Jesus is born. 
And the Hebrew people have been living in the Promised Land for about 200 years. So they've been living in Canaan for about 200 years. And the tribal system of rule that the Israelites used was breaking down. And the neighboring nations were growing stronger. And with that priestly system breaking down, the Israelite nation was just falling in disarray. And the priests were becoming very corrupt. They were taking the sacrifices from the worshipers and using them for their own means instead of um, treating them in the priestly way. And God's voice had become quiet. And the reason God's voice had become quiet is because Israel was so corrupt. There's a verse in Proverbs that speaks to this. It says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. In other words, when we do not hear from God, when we do not listen, society tends to go from bad to worse. I have to wonder if that statement is true in our society today. We desperately, desperately need God's word to guide us and direct us. We desperately need our leaders to be listening to God's word, to listening to the voice of truth, the voice of peace, the voice of life and love. Well, to make a good story, it's not only important to know the setting, it's also important to know who the characters are. And Bible names are sometimes difficult, and so I'm going to provide those names, the names of the characters, and a brief description before we really get into the um, scripture today. So the first is Hannah. And Hannah is the mother of Samuel. She's the first wife of Elkanah. Elkanah is the father of Samuel. And he has two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. And probably, we don't know for sure, the reason he has two wives is because Hannah was barren. And so in a patriarchal society, it's very important that you have sons to carry on the, on the line. And so it was allowed, in fact, I think it was a law, that you took a second wife. Now, Peninnah, she had lots of children and was the second wife. Samuel, though, was the, ended up being the son of Hannah and Elkanah. So he was, had, he was um, eventually conceived, so that's a spoiler for you. And he ended up being an assistant to Eli, the high priest, and he was also a judge and a prophet. Eli was the high priest, father of Hophni and Peninnah, and he is a high priest and judge. And then, as I've already said, Hophni and Peninnah are the sons of Eli, who are priests. So each year, the family, all of them, so first wife, second wife, all the children, um, faithfully traveled from their home in Ramah to Shiloh, where they worshiped and they sacrificed in God's tabernacle. Now the tabernacle, <laughs> they are held the Ark of the Covenant. So this was a very holy place. I was doing some research, and um, I have an aerial view of the excavations of the tabernacle site in Shiloh. And there's some really interesting documentaries. I tend to go down rabbit holes when I'm researching things. So if you are interested in that at all, I suggest you Google it. Um, great stuff. Um, things they've found to prove archaeologists' digs and stuff, where they think that the Ark of the Covenant was, and it's, it's very interesting, at least to me. So let's go back to the story. So the family had made the annual journey, and Hannah had become more and more desperate with the fact that she was unable to bear a child. Now, Peninnah was 
probably not that kind, not a friend, probably a little bit more in competition with her. And she made matters worse by constantly provoking Hannah and teasing her about not having any children. I guess Peninnah was very proud of all her children. So Elkanah, her husband, both their husbands, she tries to console Hannah. Now, as a woman, I listen to this and and I think, okay, would this be very consoling? But First Samuel tells us what her husband said. It says, Hannah, why are you weeping? So was he oblivious? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? So probably didn't make her feel that great. But he did follow it up with a double portion of meat. So I'm into chocolate, but maybe she was into meat. So... Apparently, this wasn't all that comforting, so what Hannah did was she went ahead and um, stopped talking to her husband, and she went to the temple. She went to go talk to God, someone who she spent her entire life praying to and loving and serving, and she went there, and she was in the temple, and she was praying, and she was weeping, and Eli, the high priest, hears her, so... When you're reading the story, you think, okay, she's going to get some comfort. But his words to her were, um, 1 Samuel 1.14, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. So you've got to have a little bit of sympathy for Hannah here, being very distraught, and that's what she comes upon. However, Eli then realizes that she was a woman of prayer. And so she, she tells him of her trouble, and he does send her on the way with this answer. Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Throughout the story, Eli's kind of, he is the high priest, but it seems like it takes him a little while to get to do his duties. So what happens is Hannah conceives the son, and his name is Samuel. And she follows up on the promise that she made to God, and she takes Samuel after he's weaned to um, Shiloh and gives him to Eli for, to serve him. Now, um, back then, and also in other countries actually around the world, um, women didn't wean their babies until they were between three and six years of age. So they're not ta- he's, she didn't take an infant and hand a baby over to Eli. So we're going to pick up reading the story in chapter, chapter 3 of 1 Samuel, verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. So the details here are rich in symbolism. Eli's eyes were weak, which reminds us of his weak spiritual vision. We know Eli had not been very discerning in his role as a priest or as a father. Um, That information is in the first and second chapters of 1 Samuel. He did nothing to correct his sons, who were making a mockery out of the priesthood, and he, he was so unaware of somebody praying in the temple, he didn't recognize that's what Hannah was doing at first. She was, he thought she was drunk. So um, just knowing that there's symbolism every time we read this, it also is symbolic of where Israel was at that time. Um, verse 3. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was laying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and he said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. 
go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. So the lamp that they're talking about, the priests during that time would keep lamps burning from the time the sun went down until the morning. And since it was running low, we can kind of assume that the time of day, it was close to dawn. And then um, it goes on. Verse 6. Again, the Lord called to Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. We may wonder, why didn't Samuel know that was God's voice? Surely it sounded different than Eli's. You know, he was in the temple. He did have the Ark of the Covenant right there. How did he not know that that was God? So we can only guess that God had not spoken verbal words to him, and he didn't recognize it. It's a good thing that we know that later on Samuel did learn to recognize God's voice. But right now, he keeps on going to Eli and saying, I hear God's voice. And Eli keeps dismissing it and saying, go back to bed, it's not God. We move on to um, verse 8. The third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Once Eli figures out that it's the Lord that's calling Samuel, he gives Samuel some really good advice. He tells him to go and lie down as before. Be still. And this time when you hear the Lord, respond and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Verse 10, the Lord came and stood there calling as in other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. God's call to Samuel is twice. He twice used his name. And that's also a significant part of the story. So the first patriarch of Israel was about to sacrifice his son, and God called out to him, Abraham, Abraham. When the prophet who brought the Israelites out of slavery and provided the Ten Commandments, um, he heard God's voice out of the burning bush. Moses, Moses. All three men were key people in Israel's history, and God gave all of them this double call on their name at key turning points in their lives. The chapter concludes with this. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So what is happening in this story? What's happening in this story that we can relate to where we are today? First of all, God is reaching out for relationship. He always has. He always will. But who is listening? In this particular story, not many. Not the priest, the son of Eli. Their their father Eli seems to hear, but he's a little sluggish about it. He wasn't always listening, and if he was listening, he wasn't acting. Now Hannah, um, she was a woman of God. There's even a, a prayer in 1 Samuel that she 
she said. I mean, and the prayer reflects that she knew the scripture. She prayed and she was faithful. She listened to God and she was blessed by God. Samuel listened to God and continued to listen to God throughout his lifetime and was blessed. The main point of the story and the story of the whole Bible is that God is reaching out to us. He's reaching out to you. He's reaching out to me, inviting us into a deep relationship. Eli, his sons, Hannah, Elkanah, Hannah, and Samuel were never created to live alone. They were never created to live by themselves, isolated. They're like us. We're all created to walk with God, talk with God, share our struggles with God and let God comfort us, and rejoice with God in this life and in the life beyond. The second thing that this story is teaching us is that there's great freedom and blessing in following God. As we go with God day by day, God can surprise us. God blessed Hannah in a big way with the child she longed for. God surprised everyone by speaking to Samuel. He didn't speak to the priests. He didn't speak to the high priest. God spoke to a young boy because he was willing to listen. We find freedom when we listen to God and choose to follow him. He breaks our chains and sets us free, free from sin. Jesus sets us free in this life to be forgiven, whatever we've done, whatever our past. We are forgiven and we can move forward, living an earthly life fully, knowing that God has given us this freedom. Jesus died for that freedom. And we can live into, with the promise that when we die here, all the hurts and the pains and the weeping and the sorrow will be gone from this world, and we will live in paradise with God. The third thing is that God wants to refine our character. The Bible gives us all we need to know about the history and the ways of God. Jesus did not come with this great big book of rules to give us daily ways to live because the Jewish people had already had the rules and they got caught, so caught up in the rules that they lost sight of the giver of the rules, the giver of life and love. They were worried about these details instead of the bigger picture, God's love. Jesus came to show us how to live and love with a deep connection to God and a deep connection with, with each other. He came to shape us from the inside out and show us we're made to reflect the beauty and the love that God has given us. We learn to follow by listening, step by step, day by day, year by year. And God speaks to us primarily through his word. God rarely speaks directly to people through the spoken word. Even in the Bible, God rarely spoke to individuals. Samuel was the exception, not the rule. Most people in the Bible received God's word through prophets that were attested by God. Today, we primarily receive God's word through the Bible. I mean, that's what I've been reading to you. I've been reading out of the Bible, even though it's on my iPad. Um, God gave that word to men and women alike to write down, for us to read and study and meditate on, we take a step closer to God when we come into God's word with expectation, saying like Samuel, when we open that Bible saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then let God apply our, his word to our hearts and to our minds. As I said earlier, the sermon series is on, it's a start. Maybe you're wondering, how do I start to hear God more in my own life? Individually, there's a number of things that you can do. 
First is scripture reading, reading the Bible. So there are all kinds of yearly plans out there, and I mean, you can Google it, you can get things sent to your a text message every day, every week, all kinds of programs out there. So read the scripture. The next is um, meditation, to be still. That can be in nature. It can be using a mantra. Um, I love, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Just repeating that over and over again for five minutes, even for a minute. Prayer, there's different kinds of prayer. There's communal prayer, which is what we do when we're together, or maybe your family does around the table before a meal. There's personal prayer. And then there's prayers in the Bible that are scriptural. You can, you can read Psalms, and a lot of that is just a prayer, a big prayer. Journaling, writing down every day what you experienced, how God ran into your life, or maybe once a week. Fasting, and when we fast, we're remembering not that we're hungry, but that Jesus sacrificed himself for us. And observing the Sabbath. And I think that's a really difficult one in our busy world. And the Sabbath doesn't necessarily have to be on Sunday. I know that the people here are working on Sunday. But taking a day, how often do we actually stop? It's really hard and pause and just hear God and then listen to God. Learning to listen step by step, day by day, year by year is sometimes easier when we have a partner or a group of people. And I will tell you, uh, kind of a shameless plug, we're starting um, Bible studies three weeks from today. It's a sermon series that's called Long Story Short. It's going to be the long story of the Bible in a short amount of time. And you're all invited to check that out. We have Zoom studies already set up for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Um, You can check that out on our website. The card says, long story short, small groups. Um, That's one way that you can be in community with each other and, and also hear the word of God and learn. So I'm inviting you to pray about how you, you personally, are going to build your relationship with God and build your relationship with your neighbors. That's our commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourselves. I ask you to pray as Samuel did. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen. Please pray with me. Our holy, wonderful, omniscient God, How humbling it is to come before you, God of all creation. How insignificant we are. Yet how holy it is to know that you love us. You sweep us up and hold us. You care about us as much as we care about our own children and beyond. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for being our God. We pray that we can open our ears And not only hear, but listen to your word. Change our thoughts to you above, to heavenly things. And change our actions so that we love and serve you and our brothers and sisters. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we lift this prayer. Amen.